your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brutal. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. What's up, biohackers? Anthony DiClemente here. And in today's episode, I sit down with Vince Del Monte. He is the muscle building maestro behind a multiple seven figure online brand. He's been in the game for almost a decade. And in this episode, we talk about how he's built that brand and how that brand has since evolved in the past 10 years, how he's doubled down on his weaknesses, how he developed the five M's of manhood, and specifically, how to get to 10% body fat without doing any cardio. And Vince shares three of his core principles in his new program, No Nonsense Fat Loss 2.0, that could help get you on your way. And we go deep into hypertrophy and building muscle and mechanical tension and all sorts of fun nerd stuff that if you're interested in maintaining your bone density and muscle mass, especially as you age, how to work out without getting injured, and or just building an online business and brand and one that can evolve with your family and your marriage. If, if you're not already there, uh, Vince shares a lot of his secrets that have allowed him to do just that. And there's a lot of insight on both the business and the biohacking side. And I think you guys are really going to love it. If you want to check out more on Vince, check out his Instagram at Vince Del Monte. He's also got an amazing YouTube channel. And the program that we talk about in this episode is called No Nonsense Fat Loss 2.0. And we put a link for you guys in the show notes down below. So got some sweet deals and and hookups there. If you guys dig this episode, hop on iTunes, give us a five-star review if you feel we deserve five stars. If you feel we deserve less, maybe just send me an email and let me know what you would like to see. (laughs) That could be better. And um, yeah, we appreciate you guys hanging out. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show with Vince Del Monte. Hey everyone, I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. Vince Del Monte, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I'm pumped to be back. Round two, baby. I'm excited too, man. I was actually listening to uh, to your podcast where we were hanging out last night, and uh, yeah. and I was like, does this classify as as narcissistic behavior if I'm listening to a podcast of myself? <laughs> no, actually, no, it does not. I've actually was reading a lot about successful people, and they review their performance. Dude, it's funny you mentioned that because as I was listening, I was noticing things about myself, words that I use to buy my brain time where mm-hmm. I could instead just pause and take an extra second to think through how I'm going to finish the sentence. I'll say like or um or right. You know what I mean? And I never would notice that if I just did our interview and then moved on and I was listening to it. I'm like, oh, that's, I kind of do some annoying shit. Yeah. Some of um. I know a couple pastors at mega churches and they, they preach three, four times through the course of a Saturday, Sunday. And uh, these guys have been known to immediately go 
into the green room or whatever it's called to review their, their, um, their talk. And I've had people tell me that what he delivered on Sunday morning was almost completely different than what he delivered on Saturday night. Because of that review process. Yeah. At the highest level, the top performers in the world are reviewing like literally every minute of them on stage, just like a professional player. They watch the tapes and that's the only way you get better. So, so no, to, to kind of spin what I, I know we were just kind of kidding around what you were saying there, but there's a lot of value to reviewing uh, your work, watching your videos, rereading your posts and, you know, playing back a conversation you may have had didn't go the, you know, the way you intended it to. So, uh, you know, reviewing your work is, you know, a huge key of successful people. Yeah, I, I agree. And since since we were at Craig's event, I've been making a conscious effort to do a lot more of just reviewing my day. You know, what went well, what didn't go well, what could I have done better? Um, what, you know, what, what feelings and emotions did I experience that maybe I, I, were, were amazing? What feelings and emotions would I maybe like to experience less frequently that I did and stuff like that, which, which is something I hadn't really done as much in the past. Um, but today we're going to be talking about how to get to 10% body fat and how to do it without doing any cardio. But um, before we dive into your, your three core principles there, you've been in the fitness game for almost 10 years and you've got a multiple seven figure brand. Um, kind of take us through your backstory, how you got started and how uh, the Vince Del Monte brand and business has evolved over the past decade. All right. So I started off in university uh, without too much clarity of where I wanted to go afterwards. I knew I wanted to be in the health and fitness space. I was getting a kinesiology degree at the time. I was also an endurance runner at the time. My intent was actually to be a high school phys ed teacher and I missed my cutoff by percent and I decided to become a personal trainer. It was what I was doing in my fourth year university when I looked like skinny Vinny and I got a job as a trainer right after university and I fell in love with the fitness industry. So that's where my journey began at the age of 22 as a personal trainer, uh, writing workouts for people on the gym floor. Uh, But I didn't stay just in working with people one-on-one. I quickly also discovered the whole world of selling gym memberships and the entire uh, world of selling personal training. Uh, This was uh, introduced to me by one of the gym owners I was working for and he basically found out that, Hey, you want to make more money working here? And I said, uh, yeah, sure. He's like, well, stop doing one-on-ones and start selling one-on-ones. And nobody wanted to do that. So that introduced me to the whole world of wealth creation, uh, where I started to learn about selling and communication and persuasion and influence and all of those things that go into building rapport. Again, this was in my early twenties. And again, this was again, before I even discovered the internet, this is important to understand because it all adds up shortly. I also at the time, uh, as as I was like building, making a name for myself at the gym as the guy who knew how to sell personal training. And as the guy that was uh, helping other trainers fill their schedules, I was like pretty much, I was like a rainmaker. It was really cool because I'm like 
helping the trainers make money because they didn't want to sell. And I'm like, they're like, Oh yeah, everybody, you know, they were just like slipping me coffees uh, <laughs> all day long and just keep me in the office. I'm like, Vince, don't come out of the office. we got more people for you coming through. And I'm like, all right, just send them my way. I'll close them. <laughs> I the closer. And I, and I loved it. I love closing people. It was like a thrill. It was a rush. And uh, my boss eventually saw this and he said, Vince, we should uh, take away your commission. Uh, sorry, I had a base salary plus a commission. And he said, why don't we take away your base salary? Why don't we work, why don't you just work straight on um, straight commission? Did they want to bump the commission or keep it the same? Work the commission, uh, 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 an escalating pay structure. So the more I sold, the more bigger percentage of that I got. So okay. in short, I got introduced to the world of self-responsibility and writing your own paycheck at an early age. And the way my boss held me accountable wasn't by like yelling at me. If I missed a, a goal in a month, it would be like, you know, that car you said you wanted to buy this month. Well, I don't think you're going to be able to afford it. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, so I guess he quickly discovered I was very numbers driven. I was very uh, motivated by performance. And, uh, I, I really I discovered that, wow, I can make a name for myself and I can make way more money by learning how to sell than by fulfilling service, uh, you know, one-on-ones. And then that's when I was introduced to the world of internet marketing shortly after. And uh, this was a couple of years into the fitness industry as a trainer, as a fitness consultant selling training. What year is this? Now this, now we're in 2006. Okay. So I got my degree 1998 to 2002, right into the fitness industry, selling gym memberships, selling personal training, doing one-on-ones, working 60, 70 hours a week for, for a couple of years there, uh, between 2002 to 2005. And then I discovered the internet. And I find out about these guys on the internet who are selling eBooks to skinny guys on how to build muscle. And one of them in particular, I found out was making over a thousand dollars a day. He was selling 10 copies at 97 bucks a pop. And to that point in my life, I never met anybody who had made that. I didn't even think that was possible. And that was the beginning of my venture into research and trying to figure out if this was a path that could help me achieve a personal goal of mine. You might laugh at this because um, when I got into the internet in 2005, I had a, I had a goal and my goal was to make three to $4,000 a month. That's all I wanted to make because that was going to cover my bills. I'm like, if I could just figure out how to make three to $4,000 a month, like I'm set for life. I'm set for life. And, and I thought to myself, if this doesn't work out, what's the worst thing that can happen? I stay, I work at the gym as a trainer and sell gym memberships, which I love doing. So I was like, there was really nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I looked at it. Maybe other people would have been more fearful because um, I hired a coach and that was a big investment. But that's how I got into internet marketing back in 2005. I launched my first ebook in 2006. And uh, really, that's, that's it. You know, I, my brand is essentially just an evolution of my personal growth. Like every product I've ever come out with has been a transformation of my own. So I've almost like created this business just to serve my own goals. <laughs> if you, you know, everybody says like, I made this business to serve others. I'm like, I made this business to serve myself. <laughs> and I can't, but I, but I just happen to be serving people in the process. But yeah. I can't, I'm going to get ripped. I might as well get, how can I get paid to do this? Hey, I'm going to bulk up. How can I get paid to do this? Um, so, so I say, huh, 
it, again, I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit, but I'm really trying to impress the idea upon other people that like, heck, what's the worst thing that can happen? You get in great shape, you know, maybe you make enough to pay for your expenses and you have a tool to hold yourself, you create a platform to hold yourself accountable. And if it starts to grow, then by all means, put more into it. And I kind of took that, like, what's the worst thing that can happen approach to this? And, uh, you know, as you suggested, um, um, the, you know, I've grown to become one of the bigger fitness brands online. And I think it's just because, um, I've been consistent over the years. Um, that's, I think, uh, something people, you know, deep down, um, admire and what I've achieved, I wouldn't say is like unachievable. I think what I've done online is attainable by anyone. So, you know, I'm not running like a 20, $30 million a year business, but I'm running something that I believe that anybody can attain. And I think what uh, helps me even stand out further is that I'm a family man and I wear that proudly and I play that card. I don't like keep that to myself. I want men to know that you can have a great body, that you can have a great life and, you know, getting married isn't a downgrade. Having kids isn't a downgrade. It isn't a negative. It's not um, something that's going to force you to lose um, your name and you're, you know, all of a sudden, you know, gonna, all your numbers are going to go down. In fact, it can be the complete opposite. So I want to be an example to men that you can have it all and you might not be able to have it all at once, but you can definitely have it all over time. I think Oprah has a quote along those lines. I dig it. And so you started out, you were running, I think you said cross country in university. I was a runner all through high school, all through university. I was the captain in my varsity year. Uh, yeah. Running really, I would say what were my, was my formula. Running made me who I was or running made me who I am. Yeah. And then, and then you got into muscle building and that was kind of the first product that you created and, and where you were for a little bit. And it's, it's since evolved to something much bigger. And, uh, and, and, and that like, as you've grown and expanded and added more people to your life, your, your brand and your vision and the lifestyle that Vince Del Monte represents has also grown kind of explained us the, the five M's of manhood and what those stand for. Yeah. So the five M's of manhood is uh, just a little framework uh, that I've come up with that is designed to help inspire men to become a better man, to become the best version of themselves, uh, to become a real man, if you will. Right. So there's five M's. The first one is muscle. The second one is mindset. The third one is <clears throat> marriage. Sorry, money goes in a particular order. The fourth one is mission. And then the fifth one is marriage. So what I've discovered is that many men, specifically men that, you know, obviously resonate with this message are on this journey. And these are all different seasons of life. And each one can feed into the next one. So muscle was an all-consuming season of my life for, for many, many years. Uh, but muscle gave me the confidence to start to ask questions and start to wonder what else am I capable of. And that mindset uh, gave me the confidence to take some risks and to bet on myself and to start that online business. And that online business then started providing income. And that income I, I was able to eventually use to start doing more than just help men build muscle, which is what I've always wanted to do. I never wanted to be someone, you know, nothing wrong with helping guys build their biceps if you're in your forties or fifties, but that wasn't what I felt like I was called to do. I felt like I have a lot more to offer the world. So I wanted uh, to eventually help men with 
all areas of life, which I consider my mission, but you need money to fund your mission, right? And then eventually, once you're on your path, you've got these first four things in motion and checked off and you're aware of them and they're showing fruit, you're eventually going to want to share this life, perhaps not everybody, but uh, many men uh, want to share this life with somebody else. Uh, but marriage, the reason marriage is last is because it's the hardest piece. <laughs> muscle is the easiest piece. <laughs> muscle is e it's way easier to build your muscles than it is to build your mind. It's way easier to build your muscles than it is to build your bank account. It's way easier to build your muscles than it is to pursue a higher calling mission. And it's way easier to build your muscles than it is to have a thriving marriage. Because marriage is a full frontal mirror. And it reveals the character pieces of yourself that are in work in progress, right? Mm -hmm. And that we might be ashamed of or uh, embarrassed about or have, you know, feelings of inadequacy, inadequacy around. And as soon as you get into marriage, everything about you is, is virtually exposed. It's right out there, the good and the bad. And you're forced to figure out like, holy cow, she's calling me out about something that like, ah, man, you either have to fix it or else, you know, things aren't going to be fun. So, uh, that's why marriage is last, but then obviously there's a lot that goes along with that that is extremely rewarding because you learn how to become a true, a real man. Uh, what I would consider um, is defined by somebody who's prepared to sacrifice because marriage requires a lot of sacrifices. And, and uh, I'm not even talking about the kids. Wait till the kids come. That's a whole other ballgame. So uh, marriage requires a lot of sacrifice. And I think that's the true measure of a man. And that's what we're striving for over time. You, you told me a funny story when we were hanging out in California about uh, right after you got married, how you went on your honeymoon. And uh, it was it was a bit of like, you, you talked about that full frontal, frontal mirror, how you had kind of a, a, a an awakening. <laughs> I'll tell you the story, man. I have bad eyes. You know, being a single guy for many years, I have a bad habit of checking out girls. Yeah. And it's not like just, it's not one look. You know, they say the first looks innocent, the second looks a sin. Well, I was taking more than two looks. And, and you know, here I am on my honeymoon in Europe with my beautiful wife, my beautiful wife. And, and uh, here we are, you know, in the streets of France. I've got these like, what I thought were like, you know, thick sunglasses and here I oh, am. Like, so you were you using the Jack Nicholson technique? <laughs> is that the Jack Nicholson technique? I, I, I'm, I'm glad it's not just me. Nicholson's always rocking the sunglasses so that he can do whatever he wants with his eyes. <laughs> well, I got, I got busted many times and I had no excuse other than it's normal. And that didn't fly. Uh, <laughs> it's normal. Oh yeah. Is it normal for me to check out every single guy while we're having dinner? Is it normal for me? to scroll through Instagram and check out guys without their shirts on. Is it normal for me? So anyways, I, I I'm like, Oh crap. <laughs> I quickly realized that a lot of the guys I was hanging out with were, were giving me really bad advice. <laughs> so, uh, oh, oh, she doesn't get it. Like, huh? Oh, bro, you don't get it, man. <laughs> and that's why you're still single and you're going to always be single. So <laughs> anyways, yeah, I was sharing that just like, Anything I preach here, if it feels preachy, I'm not preaching. It's because I've lived it and it's something I've struggled with and it's something I'm personally trying to work on myself. Well, and you also have grown up where your dad is a preacher, right? 
Yeah, he was a pastor for 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I would have to imagine some of that style of communication rubs off. I'm sure I talk a little bit like my dad and, <laughs> you know, yeah. we, all, we all bring some of our parents with us through, uh, through life. All right. Awesome. I love it. It's scary. I think I'm becoming more and more like my dad every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, it's a scary thought. This, this is great. Let's, um, <clears throat> and, and we're about to talk about the, uh, getting to 10% body fat without cardio, but I'm, I'm also curious about your weaknesses and like how, you know, back in the day you talked about a lot of the fitness competitions you were in and you'd get down to 6% body fat or maybe even lower than that. You'd, you'd look great and, and you'd still have people talking trash and telling you, you're not that big or you're not that ripped or da, 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 da. How, how have, uh, how have your responses or, or like the meaning that you attribute to those, uh, the, the, the haters, how has that evolved yeah. over the years and, and how do you handle things differently now than maybe seven or eight years ago? Dude, if I were to, if I were to sit here and tell you, Oh, I love it. It's great for the comments. It increases the engagement, you know, <laughs> come on, man. Uh, it hurts, you know, it, it really does. It hurts a lot and it's really frustrating and um, it can really wobble you for not weeks, but like, a long time. So yeah, I was telling you, like I used to do these shows, right. And, uh, you know, I'm on the world stage with 20 of the top fitness models and, uh, you know, you got your parents in the crowd, you got your wife in the crowd and, you know, they do the call outs and you're just waiting for your name to be called, right. You tied it down. You look the best you've ever, you know, the best you ever have, you've ever, you've ever achieved. And, and you don't hear your name. And you're just standing there. You feel like an idiot. You're in the back roll. In, in a Speedo, no less. In a Speedo, just standing there, <laughs> contracting your abs, trying to look like with a fake smile, like everything's great. And you're trying. You're, I you're just want some freaking carbs. Oh, yeah. And you're like, what? Why, what am I doing up here? It's stupid. And, uh, you know, then you go back. You don't get your call out. Then you try and talk to the judges. And, and, and every guy's got you at a different place. And then you find out finally that you were 17th of 20 guys. It's demoralizing. You're like, and then one guy said you were, I had you at 13, but all the other guys had you 17. And then another guy's trying not to hurt your feelings and say, oh, we don't judge from 11 to 20. Uh, so you, pre, you came 11th. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> and then, yeah, when then you put yourself out there online, it's just um, – if, if you can't handle criticism, this business definitely is not for you. And I don't think anybody can handle criticism. I don't think you go into this being able to handle it. What happens is you just learn how to toughen your skin or your skin just ends up getting really hard and you just learn how to, it just kind of, it's not like you become immune to it kind of, but um, it can throw you off and it can force you to start defending yourself or maybe not waking up to something somebody's saying to you and maybe actually acknowledging some truth in some of the comments. Yeah. And, uh, so it really, it is, um, it's tough. It's definitely tough. Um, but I think there's an opportunity where the criticism comes your way to listen to it, take it in, uh, try to assess who it's coming from, try to see the grain of truth in it. Maybe there is a positive here, maybe something that you can use to help improve yourself. And maybe uh, what I have done, and here's a big take home, is that I've tried to control the narrative. So when somebody you know comes at me and says, your arms are small, I say, you know, no shit, Sherlock. Thanks for noticing the obvious. Like, wow, <laughs> tell me something I don't know. Like, are you trying to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I already know that. 
I'm working with the genetics I have, and that's why I'm doing this video on how to build bigger arms because I know how much of a pain it is because I live with these, these arms that you're criticizing. Dude, I'm the first one to tell. So I'm controlling the narrative, and I'm leading with my weaknesses, and I'm telling people, uh, I know what they're already thinking, and that's kind of how I've spun um, the conversation. If you watch a lot of my YouTube videos, I lead with the biggest objections that I already know they're going to throw at me. So they're like, oh, um, oh, he already knows that he's got a big nose. Oh, he already knows that he talks a lot. Oh, he already knows that sometimes he contradicts himself. Oh, oh shoot, what, how can I criticize, criticize this guy? This guy already knows everything that I was about to throw at him. So I take control of the narrative, and then I spin those things uh, into showing them, like, you know, I pivot the conversation to where I want to take it. So I, I think that's an opportunity for everybody. You can take your strengths and make them – you can take your – your weaknesses and turn them into strengths um, by yeah some of those things I just shared. I, I, I love it. And you know, who's masterful at this is, um, is Eminem. And like oh, he, sure. he did it in, in, in eight mile in the movie, but he does it all the time. And like his, his newest album just was just released. And I was listening to it on during my workout earlier and he even talked about that. He's like, he talked about taking your, taking your insecurities and taking your weaknesses and figure out how to make them your strengths. And like, it, it sounds like that's something that you've done. You've kind of embraced it. And, and rather than trying to hide it or like brush it under the rug, you're like, here it is. Yeah. I'm doing a video on how to get bigger arms because my arms are smaller than I would like them to be. Yeah, exactly. And when somebody, um, you know, used to say that to me, I would say, you know, your arms are small. I'd be like, um, they're fine. 16, show me another, show me more guys with 16 inch arms who are natural. Oh, who are you comparing me to? I get defensive. Mm -hmm. You know, I get, now I'm like, yeah, that's why we're doing this video here today. Here's a new technique that I think may help you. That's been helping me. So it's like, yeah, what's your point? You don't have any weaknesses. So I think that's, that's like what, like when you agree with somebody's attack, what else do they have to say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It kind of neutralizes things. The, what, one of my favorite quotes from, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, the, the man in the arena. Have you heard that? No, go for it. He, he says, and I'm going to read it here because it's, it's, uh, I don't have it memorized. He says, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. That's amazing. I have heard that before. That's really good. It's legit. Awesome, man. Well, this is, this is phenomenal. Let's talk about getting a 10% body fat without doing cardio. <laughs> is this yeah. because you were just scarred from years and years of cross country and, <laughs> and you're like, I never want to run again. <laughs> I just read that into the story. You know, I actually love running and I want people to know that I have no personal vendetta. This has nothing to do with like, trying to pick a side so that I can get more clicks or anything like that. I had a bunch of friends who were shredded all year round and they did zero cardio. 
And it opened my, I discovered this in my um, late twenties. I'm like, these guys do no cardio and they have abs all year round. And that's all they paid attention to was their weight training and their nutrition. And that was a very eye opening experience. And I'm like, and I, and these guys were natural too. I, I would tell you if these guys were like, these were just natural guys. Uh, so I'm like, wow, that's so, so cool. So that's like the standard that was set for me. And then when I got into um, the education world with Paul, Charles Paulquin and that, he was preaching a very similar message that any guy can get down to 10% body fat with properly designed strength training and nutrition and supplementation and recovery. And I just found this approach really, I'm like, wow, it really started to uh, introduce me to the whole concept of training smarter and not just harder. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of us, we, we get exposed to the gas pedal model. So all we know when it comes to training is smash the gas pedal and we don't have any other, any other tools to get us to our destination. And we forget that there's also a steering wheel and there's also some brakes, <laughs> right? So what happens is we go gas pedal all day long and we burn ourselves out. We get hurt. We set ourselves back. We plummet our metabolism, our testosterone levels, and we uh, just create a lot of negative physiological effects in our body. We uh, crank up hunger levels. So uh, all of a sudden we're overeating now, blowing our diet, setting ourselves back, and then, you know, start all over again. So I find that when we want to lose fat, the first step is to embrace uh, an approach I call slow equals fast. And going slow is all based around the premise of a quote that I learned from Scott Abel. And it goes like this, coax the fat off your body and coax the fat off in your body responds positively, force the fat off your body and the body reacts negatively. So really what we're trying to do is we're allowing the body to utilize your fat for energy stores at its own pace. And we're not trying to do extreme measures. And we're, we're understanding that losing fat goes against your brain's preference to keep you where you're at. Your brain has all these different circuits that are set up to tell you when to eat whenever you start to uh, reduce calories or any type of uh, amount of food that your body's used to getting on a regular basis. So we're not meant to be lean. So we have to take this slow approach so that we can trick our body into um, allowing fat to come off. And as soon as we start going fast, that's when your body quickly gets to a point that it can't sustain. And that's when your body's physiology all of a sudden says, no thanks, we're not staying here. And that's when you raid the cookie jar and that's when you blow your diet and that's when you turn a cheat meal into a cheat day, then a cheat week. Next thing you know, you're all the way back to the beginning. And not only that, but you've probably accumulated extra body fat in the process because of hoarding mechanisms in your body that protect you uh, from future experiences of starvation because your, your body doesn't know the difference between starvation and a diet. A diet is a man-made word. All your body knows is like, wow, you just, why did you do that to us? That wasn't really nice. So not only are you going to regain the weight, but you're going to set yourself back further than you started when you took that last before photo. So when we take this, when we take this slow equals fast approach, when we can avoid the most common uh, 
it's not even an exception. It's the rule. The rule now is that when you lose fat, research has supported this over and over that uh, when you diet for longer than 12 weeks, uh, the majority of weight that you lose over 75% is muscle tissue. And over um, 60% of people that do a diet regain it all plus some. And it's because they're taking these uh, methods that are so extreme that they're not even losing fat. They're losing muscle tissue and the muscle tissue is what drives metabolic rate. So we have to, the, the moment you get into something that promises something quick, you're simply asking, you know, quick, extreme. For the most part, if they are not giving you a protocol to follow, you know, at the end, they just pretty much leave you hanging on the side of a cliff and <laughs> with one hand, well, you're going, you're going down. So, so we need to set up our, our nutrition in a way that is sustainable. And I always say that if it's not sustain, if the method is not sustainable, the outcome will not be maintainable. So when we go slow, when we lose half a pound per week, one pound per week maximum, then we allow our body to adjust and we're able to, what I even encourage people to do is not just like to take a linear approach, but what I encourage people to do while they're losing fat is every couple of weeks to just put the brakes on and to stabilize their new body weight for four to six weeks. So it's not cut, cut, cut. It's cut, stabilize, cut, stabilize, cut, stabilize. And that way your body can get used to this new set point and your body doesn't uh, all of a sudden fire off all the different hormones and brain signals that demand that you over, not that you just eat, but that you overeat. Um, so that's, that's the first step to losing fat and to losing fat permanently. It's to start, you know, without a deadline. And this is tough because I come from a fitness model world where, you know, we're getting ready for a show. So you need a deadline. And one of the best things you can do for yourself is to never enter a transformation contest again, never do a show again, and don't put a deadline on your goals. And I know this goes against everything people have been taught, but as soon as you force a deadline on your, on what your body, on your back body's like, your body's going to do the fat loss for you, right? You can't force it to. So you have to work with it instead of just on it. So yeah. when you get rid of the deadlines, then you'll be okay with, okay, hey, I've dropped some weight here. Um, I'm starting to get a little too hungry. I'm going to just stabilize my weight here, get comfortable eating this amount. I'm going to maybe even introduce a little bit more fuel around my workouts, get my metabolism up a bit. And then, uh, then I'm going to start the deficit again. And so it really is just embracing a much different approach. And it's the only approach that I know that works for permanent weight loss. It's funny you talk about like that moment when you're on the stage, you're on stage in a speedo and there's 20 guys and everyone's there to support you. And you're like waiting for your name to get called. And you're, you're kind of like, what the heck am I doing right now? I, yeah. I, I did a, uh, like a fitness competition that was judged by Sylvester Stallone back in like oh, 2005. Yeah. And like at this time I was in the corporate world. So in order to do it, I was waking up at like four 30, hitting the gym for an hour, hour and a half, getting ready, going to work, working a full day. And like, you know, everything was planned out and I'm sitting there at the end of this and I'm taking my after pictures and, 
I'm like fake tan and you know, I've got like people shining lights on me and, and, and getting everything ironed out. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing right now? I'm like, I'm, I'm starving hungry. I haven't like looked at a carb in a week and a half and I'm, I'm doing like all sorts of weird strategies to manipulate water and, and, and salt in my body so that I look more defined. And I'm like, this, like, I can't sustain this. I'm going to get these pictures and then I'm going to like, you know, run and eat a pizza. And, yeah. um, and I'm like, this isn't the way to go. And I just, I feel kind of, kind of silly overall. And, um, and that was the last of that type of, of doing it fast and getting really extreme results, um, that are far past a level that I would ever be able to live at that I, right. that, that I ever did. Um, I kind of feel your pain there. What about the people who they hear half a pound a week or a pound a week and they're like, I got to lose like 50 pounds. I need to do this faster than a year. And, and Why? maybe, huh? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to punch back. Why? It's like, I need to, I need to make a million dollars by 30. What's wrong with 33? <laughs> I need to make a million dollars next year. You know, I'm 37. What's wrong with 42? Like why? What's the rush? I agree. I like that. And, and I think there is this, there's a mindset component and I see it with a lot of people where they have the ability to go in and really focus and dedicate themselves for a short period of time. And then they lose it. And it's over and over and over again. What, what about like someone, someone listening who's maybe been in that pattern or is in that pattern? Like they can do great for 90 days or maybe 120 days. And I, well, yeah, that's a good amount of time. 90 days. I was going to say though, um, what people first need to understand is that any diet works for the first two to three weeks because it's called the anti-catabolic phase. Yeah. Uh, a phase where your body doesn't, hasn't registered yet that you're in a deficit. So it surrenders fat easily, but quickly it, it catches, it tunes into uh, the horse show going on. And it says, Whoa, we haven't got food for a while now. And we've, surrendered some fat here, but I don't think we can keep giving up anymore. And then this is when your body starts to surrender muscle tissue because you continue the horseshoe for your body. So most people's fat loss in the first few weeks is not because of what they're doing. It's just because the body hasn't kept caught on yet. <laughs> so I hate to take away people's like, um, you know, maybe pride in achieving some weight loss results in the first two or three weeks. But I mean, even the dumbest diets in the world work for the first two or three weeks because you're in this anti-catabolic phase. It's kind of like a honeymoon phase of a relationship. Uh, <laughs> everything's perfect, right? You feel good, right? So, you know, when you start dieting, you feel awesome, right? Uh, you wonder, why didn't I do this before? You're like, man, you feel unstoppable. Your energy levels are up. You might even be getting some compliments. And, and you're like, holy cow, I finally found the one. I found the one. She's the one. This is the diet. I'm finally going to do this one all the way to the finish line. I'm going to marry this one. I'm going to, this is the diet that's going to get me lean forever. All of a sudden, two, three weeks, and boom, you hit a wall. And all of a sudden, you want to trade sexual favors for a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. You know and what I'm saying? So that's the, I just, I know what, I know that I need to answer your question, but I want people to understand that it's easy to lose weight in the first two to three weeks. Uh, it's much more challenging to lose, keep losing it over 12 to 16 weeks. And um, sorry, I cut you off there, but I can come back to what you were asking. Like what's for someone that has more than, you know, 16 weeks to get to where they want to go. 
What's the most important mindset shift they need to make in order to sustain the slow equals fast principle and not bail on it? Yeah. So we really do want to wake up, (laughs) wake up to the reality of the uh, fact that what you've tried in the past has not worked. All right. So we're going to try a new approach. All right, Vince, I give in. I'll try the slow approach. What do I have to lose? I've been trying this my own. I'm in my mid twenties. I'm in my mid thirties, forties, whatever. I still don't have the body I want. I've tried all these extreme methods. So it really is first understanding what, what do I have to lose, right? What do I have to lose to try it this slow way? And really focusing on habits that you can control. So again, with the habits, we don't want to change. We don't need to change a ton of things right away. What we need, and I'm going to get very tactical here now. What we need is to elicit what's called a slight caloric deficit. And we want to distinguish two types of deficits. We have a slight one and we have a severe one. A severe one is going to be about 900 calories less than your baseline caloric needs. And your caloric needs would be your body weight times, I would say 12 minus 900. So that would be like a severe calorie deficit. You don't want to do that. Write that down. You do not want to do that. What we want is a slight calorie deficit. So we take our, we take our body weight, we multiply it by 12, and then we minus about two, 300 calories. And what's going to happen is you're going to trigger what's called tolerable hunger. All right. There's two types of hunger. And I also believe that anyone can get really lean without having to get too fancy with calories and macros. What we need to be in tune with is this one, this one differentiation. There's two types of hunger, tolerable and intolerable, intolerable. Tolerable hunger is good. Tolerable hunger means your metabolism is optimized. Your body's surrendering fat and that your body is in fat burning mode. All right. It means that you've got some fuel from your previous fuel. You improved your metabolism and then you get hungry again. It simply means we're ready to eat again. You know, we're feeding the machine. We're feeding our muscles. This is really, really good. And when you experience tolerable hunger, you want to give yourself a pat on the back and say, this is normal. This is good. My body is surrendering fat right now. We want to say, keep it up. Now, what we want to avoid is intolerable hunger. Intolerable hunger is that feeling of desperateness where we want to, like I was saying, you want to trade a favor. <laughs> you want to trade a sexual favor for a cookie. You know, we want to raid the cookie jar. We want to order fast food. We're, we're dying. It feels like a nightmare. We're unfunctional. Our workouts suck. We don't have a pump. Our libido plummets. And all we can think about is food. All right. This is when your body goes into fast storing mode. All right. You're now have downregulated your metabolism because it said, okay, we're checking out here. You're on your own, man. Good luck. You're going to need it because we're not helping you lose this fat anymore. So your metabolism switched off. And this is when it's just a matter of time before you blow your diet and set back all your hard work. So intolerable hunger is the enemy. And intolerable hunger typically comes when we try and do too much too soon. 
you try to do too much cardio, then you add weights, then you cut your calories and you cut your carbs. It's literally, again, as soon as you're out of that anti-catabolic phase, you're done. You don't have a chance. Even if you've got the craziest willpower in the world, even if you have like refeed days, that refeed day is going to turn, a healthy refeed day is going to turn into a cheat meal, then a half a cheat day, and then a full cheat day. And next thing you know, you're like, oh my gosh, you feel bad about yourself. You do two hours of guilt cardio. You take the week <laughs> off because you, feel, <laughs> because you feel like, you know what, what's the point? I might as well start next week. And and then you resort to what? You go back to what you did before because you gained, you lost that weight through that anti-catabolic phase and you resort to the same hardcore approach that only sets you back again, again. And then you meet, these are the people that are on diets their entire life. So the biggest thing that we embrace is tolerable hunger. If that's the only thing people remember from this call, I want you to know that if in the evening time you're a little bit hungry, that's good. You have to become comfortable with, you know, a mild degree of hunger all the time, like all the time for the next 12 to 16 weeks, hunger becomes your friend. All right. And this is the problem with our industry, right? People think hunger is a bad thing. You know, now you've got this whole industry supplement industry selling, you know, craving crushing shakes. I'm like, <laughs> or, or, or uh, hunger crushing shake. It's okay. You, you want hunger. So the whole idea that hunger is bad has been has kind of misled people. So we need to understand there's different categories. And if you can start embracing that, uh, you will start getting leaner and leaner. And once you start getting to that state, you know, your next question may be like, okay, well, I've been I'm taking your advice, Vince, I'm losing weight, things are good. You will eventually naturally start to get closer to that intolerable hunger state. Like I found that uh, when I'm in a in a deficit. And I just happen to be able to go about seven days before I need a refeed meal. I need to tell my body it's okay. You're not dying. And I'll either do a healthy carb refeed day or we'll just do one big cheat meal. We'll go to a, you know, Italian restaurant or whatever. It's, it, we don't really think overthink it. It's whatever you want to eat, just a big meal. And that quickly tells your brain you're not dying. You're fine. And then we go back into intolerable, sorry, then we go back into tolerable hunger mode. Mm-hmm. So what are your go-to healthy carbs? Uh, sweet potatoes and white rice. Like my body like looks like day and night. If I put sweet potatoes in my body and white rice, it's like, holy cow, what did you just, what did you just put in your body? Like it's like, holy cow, what did you just do to yourself? Yeah. It like changes like instantly. Um, yeah. Sometimes I add, um, if, I, if I, I feel like I'm in a real deficit and I want to really crank up the insulin spike to shuttle those carbs in, I'll take dates. Um, and I'll have, um, bananas as well. And sometimes I'll put uh, maple syrup on the uh, sweet potatoes. I also like having oatmeal, uh, oatmeal jacks me up pretty good, but it's got a lot of fiber, so you can't eat as much of it. So, um, I like to sometimes put jam into the oatmeal and uh, just anything sweet, like uh, jam, honey is really good. Uh, maple syrup added to a, a starchy carb like white rice or sweet potatoes. I typically do the trick. Trick potatoes, any color potato for most people uh, will get you pretty jacked up and looking really awesome really quickly. And um, that those are the three go tos. Anything else can 
create an inflammatory response. So, uh, you know, as much as I'd love to do like cereal and granola and like mixed with chocolate and dairy, um, it's not a huge deal. Like it's, if it's not like a show or, or like a photo shoot, but I try and stick to those single ingredient um, sources for the best response. Yeah, I, I like that. I've uh, recently come across this uh, this organic biodynamic sushi rice from uh, Lundberg Lundberg Farms. They got it at uh, they got it at Whole Foods too, in like the the section where you can just scoop your own stuff out, and it's it's incredible. You just throw it in the rice cooker, set it, and forget it, and um, yeah, it's delicious. And you notice, like, I don't I don't know if you experience it, but like when I'm too carb depleted, my muscles get kind of soft. And then, and you carb up and you're like instantly hard and full. And, um, and, and I notice the sex drive fluctuations too. And so if I'm paying attention, like, oh yeah, all my muscles are kind of soft and I'm noticing a little bit of a dip in sex drive time to carb up. And that's that's everything. Yeah. Nice, man. This is is two with a carb refeed day. I'll give another tip here uh, that, you know, I learned from my fitness competing days is that you want some really high glycemic carbs. Like you don't want to do just potatoes all day because there's so much fiber uh, and it'll be hard to get the amount that you need and you'll be in the bathroom all day tomorrow. So the white rice gets in you really quickly Mm -hmm. and it'll make you hungry. And one of the challenges is to get the amount of carbs you need in your body to have a proper refeed day to see the response and to re, you know, synthesize insulin, um, certain not insulin, but leptin, and and to be able to consume the amount of carbs you need, you know, for most guys, five to six hundred grams is going to be like a minimum, um, maybe a little bit more, but like at least five to six hundred grams of carbs. So a lot amount of carbs, especially if you haven't been consuming any carbs or been eating a low amount, um, you might not even have the appetite as much as like you want to. So adding these high glycemic sugars to them and uh, doing the white rice will crank your metabolism fast and you'll be hungry within like literally an hour or two hours. Like I need to eat again. Yeah. Awesome. Um, So that's good. Slow equals fast. Principle number two for how to get to 10% body fat without doing any cardio. Yeah. So we talked about uh, slow equals fast. Uh, I mean, the next one was avoiding extremes. Okay. Well, actually, we talked about another one before. It was focusing on let's let's because that can kind of be categorized what we just talked about. The second one, sorry, uh, is um, focusing on tissue building workouts versus calorie burning workouts. And again, this kind of goes back to the same mentality of trying to force fat off your body with excess, you know, caloric expenditure, and realizing, not understanding that you, you just want to maintain a slight calorie deficit for an extended period of time. It's the time you put into this that's going to dictate whether you lose the fat and keep it off. And what happens is when people start, uh, so we've talked about you know a lot of nutritional things, but what are we doing in the gym? Uh, a lot of people go to the gym and what they do is they basically tell their brain that they don't need any more muscle tissue. And what I mean by that is they do everything opposite that they did prior to their um, initiation of a cut. And they'll go from low reps to really high reps. And they'll do like, um, they'll go to all this like excess cardio stuff and all these things that uh, really set you out, make you vulnerable to stripping off muscle mass Mm -hmm. and start to raise cortisol levels uh, that increase appetite 
and that puts you into this severe calorie deficit. Remember, all these ways to elicit the deficit can be from nutrition or from training, but when you start doing too much cardio, you might trigger that severe deficit, and then that's when all of a sudden you blow your diet. So what we want to do in the gym is we want to stimulate muscle mass. We want to actually approach our weight training program like a bodybuilder. We want to think about like, even though we're in a slight deficit, we want to go with the intent that we're trying to build muscle mass. So we want to think about contracting muscle tissue, right? We don't want to turn our workouts into a circus act. Uh, there can be some high intensity protocols, definitely. And what I call metabolic accelerator protocols, but the core of our time in the gym is stimulating muscle tissue, those type 2 fibers that have been shown to increase metabolism and that have been shown to reboot your metabolism afterwards when you leave the gym. So now we're focusing on not what happens during our workout, but what happens for the 23 hours afterwards. And that's what ultimately matters. So by stimulating muscle tissue, we're going to burn a greater percentage of fat throughout the course of the 24-hour day, which is in turn going to be a greater net fat burn than the amount of fat you would burn in a single calorie session in an hour um, or a high rep training session in an hour that has no additional benefits after the workout. So really, we can throw our calorie-burning watches in the garbage. Uh, it's really kind of not something you need to worry about. What we need to worry about is our strength. We really need to be in tune with maintaining our uh, quality of lifts. We don't want to see our strength plummet. And if your strength plummets, now, a little bit of strength decline as the cut progresses is very normal. I don't know anybody, not even guys who are enhanced, who can maintain their strength throughout an entire cut, especially 12 to 6 weeks in duration. But we should always be going to the gym with the intent to lift heavy and stick to the amount of volume that we had previous to our deficit because that tells your brain we need to keep the muscle. And that's really the only time people start losing a lot of muscles when the deficit's so severe um, and they're not training intensely. So the brain just basically says, we, we could use this muscle to help us get through this crazy um, nightmare you're putting us through right now. So we're going to get rid of this muscle on your arms that you spent the last couple months building. We're going to start stripping this muscle off your butt. So now you're going to finish your cut with a flat butt. And we're going to take this uh, muscle off your shoulders. So now you've just lost your hourglass figure if you're a female. And um, here, let's pull it off. <laughs> it just starts pulling it off. All the areas in your body, you don't want to lose it. We'll pull it off your chest. And we'll pull it off your triceps. All of a sudden, you've lost all this weight and you look worse. And, and people start, this is when people start getting worried about you. <laughs> like, oh, they don't understand. I'm like, oh no, they understand. You don't look good. <laughs> and and this, look, this parallels a lot of like, like Zach Efron's training for Baywatch was, it was one of the first times in his life he'd gone really, really heavy. And you know, people, people can say whatever they want about him using this or him using that we all know that there's no physique like that that is created without a tremendous amount of hard work. And, and for him, whether or not he was using anything, I don't really care, but uh, uh, the game changer was going heavy. And my question for you is like, when we worked out, you know, I'm used to going heavy. And when I was working out with you, I was doing like a quarter of the weight, probably even less yeah. that, that I normally use. And 
you know, like the week before I'd been, I'd been doing reps at 225 and then I'm with you and we're on the, 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 uh, cable fly machine and I've got like 10 pounds on each side. You know, it's like, I'm like barely even, barely even got the pin in the first plate, but my chest is on fire. How do you distinguish yes. between the two and like, and, and different differentiate when you're, you're focusing on the, on the contraction and super slow movement, muscle engagement versus like going heavy. Right. So there's different mechanisms of muscle growth. The first mechanism is called uh, mechanical tension, which is just good old fashioned strength training. That's when you're doing fewer exercises, more sets, lower rep ranges, longer rest periods. And the entire tent of the workout is to move weight. All right. We're going to the gym to get strong. All right. We want to keep our strength. We want to try and move as much weight as possible from point A to point B. Uh, what we have and what you're describing also is hypertrophy workouts. Hypertrophy workouts trigger the mechanism of muscle growth known as metabolic stress and muscle damage. All right, so there's three different ways to stimulate our muscle mass, three different ways to increase our metabolic rate, and none of them are right or wrong. I have a, an approach to training that we should be working with our muscle fiber type, and some people will respond better to more strength-based training. Some people respond more to more hypertrophy-based, higher volume training, and that's based on how their body's made up. But for the majority, for, for everyone, starting out the majority, for everyone, we want to be using all these modalities as ways to tell our brain that we need this muscle so that when we surrender the fat and we don't lose the muscle in the process, you maintain that metabolic rate so your metabolism is doing all the heavy work for you. It's burning the fat throughout the course of the day, which is why I said earlier, when, you're, when you experience that tolerable hunger, that's a sign of an optimized metabolism. That's good. It means your metabolism is still burning fat for fuel. And, and that's why you're hungry again. And that's why we eat. We just satisfy the hunger. But then we just let another few hours go by before we do it again. So in the gym, the workout you and I were doing was designed to get a little more output so with strength-based workouts, you're not burning a lot of calories, right? You're not depleting much glycogen. But with the workouts you and I were doing, we we're depleting, even though it wasn't a long workout, by stimulating all that muscle tissue, we were utilizing glycogen, all right? It's in, weight training is an anaerobic activity. So we were depleting a lot of energy, and we were also setting our body up to burn more energy for when the day is done. And by doing that targeted work on our muscles, we've got some shape to them when the fat comes off so that we've got that aesthetic, that muscular, that V taper look. The ladies are going to have that, you know, full glute look. They're going to have that nice tight waistline, broader shoulders, that nice hourglass figure that, you know, makes every, you know, female uh, super feminine. So, uh, so that's, that's what we're doing with the weights. The weights, we're actually not trying to like gain new muscle, although that does happen in many cases, but we're looking to just keep the muscle we have. All right. That's like the first rule of weight loss. Don't lose your muscle. So don't do anything that could potentially set you up to lose your muscle. And that's why we go slow the whole way. We avoid the extremes. And that's why weight training is such a huge piece of this whole puzzle. And that's why we really avoid as much cardio, if not all cardio as possible. I love it. So is it, am I correct in understanding like the, the more hypertrophy based workout styles, you're burning through the glycogen in the muscles, which is like stored energy, stored carbohydrates, however you want to look at it. And then, and then when that's not there, your, your body is more likely to go to body fat stores yeah. for energy. 
Uh, whereas like the mechanical tension, moving heavy weight, you're almost sending a hormonal response to your body. You're boosting testosterone and, um, and, and some of those other male hormones that, um, that can help you burn fat and build more muscle or at least maintain the muscle that you already have. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how all the hormones, you know, exactly how, if, if they're just kind of, you know, transient or if they're like longer term, but um, they're definitely all triggered. They're all, they all come to play. You're definitely not hurting those hormones when you're lifting weights. And yeah, those are the things that we're, we're really focusing on. Anything that's going to support muscle, anything that's going to support muscle tissue. And we, we got to get away from the whole, how many calories did I burn today? Um, that's like 1970s. All right. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's just a gimmick, right? It's just, that's how people sell phones and apps and tools and, you know, new gadgets, right. For people to like become more and more obsessed and to cut, you know, become a victim of quantification syndrome where they're trying to quantify every single metric of their workout because they're trying to create this illusion of control. And again, it all goes back to denying the fact that your body will surrender the fat at its pace and you just have to stay there and uh, that's why that's why we want to avoid the whole idea that we can like you know if I burn this many calories in this workout and I do it five times per week um, and then by this date I will have lose this amount of fat. <laughs> Sorry, your body is not a math equation. I wish yeah. it was that easy. Your body is very complicated, very regulated, and uh, a pen and paper and some ambition is not going to out trick. <laughs> your brain and how your body's built to protect your fat stores. So we have to take a much more strategic approach. Dude, that's hilarious. Quantification syndrome, the illusion of control. It's such a big issue in the, in the biohacking community. And like just this, this moving away from like, how do I feel? And, 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 and an intuitive approach, you know, you, you want the science as your foundation, but you also, you don't want to lose the, the intuition and uh, I think when people do develop, like become too obsessed with the quantification, they, they can lose that. They can move too much up into their head and uh, just get obsessed with the numbers. And, and, and it can oftentimes take us away from doing the freaking work and taking action. Yeah. And then guess what happens? I'll throw in another loop for these guys. So, so when we get stressed, what hormone do we increase? Yeah, cortisol. We increase cortisol. And then when we increase cortisol, cortisol cross reacts with another hormone called aldosterone. Aldosterone is a water retention hormone. So it's the hormone that makes you look bloated, mm. right? So, so what happens? We start getting all stressed out. We're, we're busting our butt in the gym. We're doing all this cardio. We're doing all this biohacking. And then we jump on the scale and we haven't lost any weight. So what happens? We think that what we're doing isn't working. So we do more biohacking, we do more cardio, we reduce our calories even more. And guess what happens? Cortisol goes up again, mm. aldosterone goes up again, water retention goes up again, and all of a sudden, you're like, forget it, nothing's working, I'm done, I quit, I'm blowing my diet. All of a sudden, you're all the way back to the beginning because you're yeah. trying to control the process. Oh man, that's huge. Yeah. Big, big problem. And I've been through that many times myself. Um, principle, principle number three of getting down to 10% body fat without doing any cardio. I think it kind of redundant here. So we can keep this one a little shorter, but again, just really avoiding extremes. Anything that you feel is supposed to like skip a step or that is maybe in the back of your mind, you kind of know it's supposed to be a shortcut likely isn't going to serve you. 
So I would really encourage you just to, as soon as you hear something that's supposed to offer like a quick fix, something magical, something like really instantaneous, it's likely just something that uh, might work for a little bit, might be worth an experiment, but I, I wouldn't put a lot of money on it. Let's put it that way. If you were, if you were betting. <laughs> so if it, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. I wouldn't put, you know, these aren't stocks you want to invest in. Let's put it that way. All right. Uh, so Again, just avoiding extremes because what I found that is that extremes almost always end up in extreme disappointment. <laughs> I like that. And tell me a little bit about uh, no nonsense fat loss 2.0 and like how that how that ties this stuff in and, and really makes it practical. Yeah, so that's my non cardio fat loss system. It's an 18 week long weight training program. It comes with a nutrition plan, and that is my approach to losing fat, not muscle over an 18 week period. It does have an end date because you know, it needs to be an end date. There's five different phases. And the way this program was set up is that uh, the unique feature of it and how it's different than other fat loss programs on the market is that it's customized to your muscle fiber type. And we all have different muscle fiber types and different muscles. Uh, we have slow twitch muscle fibers. We have fast twitch muscle fibers and we have mixed fiber types. And each of those have a preferred way of training. So to keep this really simple, there's a reason why some guys were really good at cross-country running in high school and some guys were really good at sprinting. It was because of their muscle fiber type. The same holds true in the gym. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening knows somebody that thrives off of heavy weights. And, and this person, whenever they lift a heavy weight, their body transforms quickly. And then I'm sure everybody listening knows somebody in the gym that rarely ever does heavy weights and they do a lot of high rep training. And they're like, man, that guy never rests. He's always going, he's always squeezing, he's never like seems to, he always stays away from the heavy stuff and he looks amazing. Well, that per person is probably more predominantly slow twitch and he's just adjusted his workout so that he's working with his muscles instead of on his muscles. So what I've done is uh, with this program is that there's three different tracks, whether you're slow twitch, fast twitch, or mixed fiber type, and you're gonna get one customized to you. So. I customize specifically the rep ranges and the rest periods. So if you're fast twitch and I'm slow twitch, we'll have different rest periods and rep ranges. And um, what I've done even one step further with this program is that I've included a chart to help people to start identifying how to tweak the rep ranges and the rest periods based on that muscles, individual muscle fiber type. So Anthony, you may, um, do you have like a body part that does really well with like heavy weight, but then another body part that does really well with like lower weight? Yeah, my let, well, it, it depends on what you consider good, but when I use heavy weight, my legs and butt get huge. Okay. And, um, and I've noticed my arms do better with lower weight. Interesting. So, and what you kind of suggested here is something very common and familiar. It's a, it's a very common thing for pretty much uh, everyone very rarely is just is one person all slow twitch or all fast twitch, right? Um, there are outliers like world-class sprinters, world-class marathoners where they're almost like 80% slow twitch or 80% fast twitch throughout their body. Uh, but most of us have like a different distribution of muscle fibers and different muscles. So, so for me, I'm the same way, you know, my chest and my quads respond really well to high reps. Like I don't, you'll never see me benching over 225. Rarely will you see me squatting over 315, but I've got bigger legs than a lot of guys who can squat four or five plates aside. And it's just because I'm working with my muscle fiber type. 
So that's a, that's an interesting thing for a lot of people. A lot of th- people kind of intuitively maybe understand that, but have never followed a full blown plan. So, so I teach guys how to start paying attention to certain body parts that may not be responding in the gym. Like maybe if you're a female and, uh, your butt, whatever you do, you just can't get it to get that roundness. Or if you're a guy, you just can't get your biceps to grow. You know, I would start um, suggesting different rep ranges and rest periods based on what you've been doing. And let's try and figure out, like, are you fast and we need to start training more like uh, mixed fiber slow? Or are you slow and we need to start training more mixed and fast? And as you start to just start asking these questions over time, you're going to experience what I call the holy grail of individualized programming. So you're teaching people how to identify their predominant muscle fiber type. And yeah. there, you're, you're giving them exactly what to do, how many reps, you know, like what your rest periods should be, reps, sets, rests, all of that. And then based on the results that they're getting in implementing that, you give them how to make changes if necessary yeah. and customize along the way. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I haven't heard of uh, other programs that do that. That's cool. And, and where, um, what are we doing for people that are listening and want to check out no nonsense fat loss 2.0? We're going to put a link in the show notes, um, to make it easy for them to, to go check it out. What's, sure. what's, what's the, uh, investment? 47 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nothing. Yeah. 47 bucks. Very cool. Um, Nice man. What are you What are you excited about that's coming up? The new year uh, supplements. Oh yeah, yeah. We finally finalized our pre workout formula, an intro workout, and a post workout. So that's really exciting. M five apparel uh, will be coming out uh, very soon. Uh, making apparel, holy cow, it's a lengthy process. But we're going through the same people that uh, do Nike, Under Armour, and Lululemon, and uh, it's it's a heck of a process to get the quality that we want. And those are two exciting things right around the corner. And uh, just working with all my coaching clients. We've got a mastermind coming up in February in Tampa. We're going to have a full house, over 50 guys, some of the top top names in the industry. And uh, just looking forward to uh, continuing to support them in 2018 and see them achieve their online business goals. So those are probably my top three things I'm looking forward to. Beautiful. Guys, if you want to, uh, if you really want to dial this in and you're serious about getting down to 10% body fat without doing any cardio, um, check out the link in the show notes to, to no nonsense fat loss 2.0. And that's for men, by the way. Yeah. We can't do that with females, females more realistically, like 16, 16 to 18% body fat without cardio. So just to put I don't know if we clarified that, but 10% body fat, if you're a male. That's a real good point. It, and it wouldn't be healthy for a female to get down to that weight either. And it would, we'd start possibly seeing some compromises with her menstrual cycle. It's possible for a female to get down to 10% body fat. Um, yeah. Well, death. <laughs> uh, I, no, I'm serious. I, I, I don't know any, I think 12% would be like the equivalent of a male's like three, 4% oh, uh, yeah. in a shape. So, so the equivalent of 10% body fat for a male would be, I'd say about, 18% for a female. Okay. Nice. Nice. And, uh, Vince, for people that want to stay up to date with cool stuff you're working on and coming out with and the different supplements and, and clothing line, where's, what's the best way for them to do that? I would say Instagram. I'm pretty active on there. I like Instagram because people can DM me and I don't miss it because it's, it's uh, you know, it's, 
it's still new. I'm able to do it myself. So, and I like engaging with my, with people that follow my work. So just my handle Vince Del Monte. And another thing would be my YouTube channel. My YouTube channel has, uh, oh man, hundreds and hundreds of videos. And, you know, I would just tell people uh, before they purchase anything, make me prove myself, make sure I know what I'm talking about. Don't buy anything from me until you watch a couple videos until I created some value for you, got you some results in advance and you have uh, acknowledged that, you know, what we're talking about, what we're teaching here can help you. So um, yeah, put me to the test before you invest anything. And uh, the YouTube channel is where we put out a lot of workout videos and things that people can apply right away. I love it, man. And I can say like from, reading your newsletter these past few months, that, that alone is, is an incredible resource. And like, there's so many great workouts and, and just seeing that reminds you of exercises and opens you up to new, new exercises where it's so easy to fall into the same mundane routine, uh, going to the gym and just seeing that I'm like, oh, I haven't done that in years. I need to work that back into, uh, into my regimen. So I've been loving your newsletter and, uh, want to, want to give you a tip of the cap on Thank your you. there, man. Good stuff. Well, this has been phenomenal. I appreciate you hanging out and, uh, and, and want to be respectful of your time. I know we ran longer than expected. Um, but thank you, man. This has been great. It's all right, man. You got two Italians, you know, the conversation is not going to be short. (laughs) Right, right. This episode is brought to you by Buy Optimizers. That's B-I-Optimizers.com. And more specifically, there are two products that I use every day, Masszymes and P3OM Probiotics. Masszymes is a medical-grade enzyme formulation that increases your enzyme potential, allowing for optimal protein digestion and absorption necessary for growth. Additionally, the formulation cleanses your GI tract of undigested protein while improving energy and cognitive function, all the while reducing the resources needed for the metabolization of food. And less resources being allocated toward the metabolization of food by your body means more energy for you. Masszymes is the strongest proteolytic enzyme formulation on the market today, and at 85,000 HUTs, it contains more protease per capsule than any other formula. P3OM probiotics are a patented probiotic formula developed by one of the world's leading probiotic experts. P3OM uses a patented process to enhance L. plantarum's capacities, resulting in a new super strain that may be the most powerful probiotic developed. This probiotic is designed to help you combat viruses, retroviruses, and super bacteria. I use P3OM and Masszymes every day, along with a number of other probiotic supplements that I cycle, which is an important aspect of getting the best effect from your probiotics. So you never want to take probiotics. You never want to take the same probiotic every single day and you never want to take the same amount every single day. So I am constantly cycling in different probiotics that I have found to be the most effective, changing up their dosage to keep the body adapting and constantly evolving. So you can save 10% on your first order of P3OM probiotics and masszymes by going to buyoptimizers.com. That's B-I- O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com and entering discount code biohacks, that's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S at checkout. So once again, that's Masszymes and P3OM probiotics and you can save 10% on your first order at buyoptimizers.com with discount code biohacks. Biohacks.